If you have your Bibles, I'm ready to get into that story once again this morning with the little bit of time that I still have left. If you know anything about sermon series here at Oaks Church, you know that during series, I oftentimes use the same passage or after that in the successive weeks, kind of use that same passage and platform to build on every week in advance. What, what that earned me the nickname of being with my wife is she said, you are the only pastor I know that preaches backwards. You, you, you tend to preach longer backwards than you do forward at times. So as I've gotten older, a little more humble, a little more wise, willing to listen to my wife, I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time today building the platform that I built last week because I really have some exciting news to share this morning. It's news that you know, but this morning I, I, I just feel stirred. I feel challenged to make sure you know it, and this is incorrect grammar and improper English, but I, I'm saying it because it, it bears being said. I need to make sure you know what I'm sharing today in your knower. You may know it here, but do you know it here? Matter of fact, I'll just tell you, and you may feel like this is a bit of a stretch, but, but I really feel like the presence of God that was beginning to manifest in worship and the freedom we were beginning to feel and the excitement that was flowing through this room is really all because of the Spirit knowing what's about to be shared today. Back over in that passage we were in last week, I'm gonna read it, Matthew chapter two. We're gonna read about the real story of Christmas. I'm not, again, gonna go backwards in depth like I did last week. I would encourage you to go and listen to the first installment of Looking for Christmas. But today in Matthew chapter two, verses one through 12, I'm gonna begin here in the New Living Translation. It says this, Jesus, was born in Bethlehem of Judea. Now here's a nugget I didn't give you last week. Does, it, does anyone know what the word Bethlehem literally translate to mean in the Hebrew language? The house of bread. Can you imagine that? The bread of heaven was born in the house of bread. Jesus was born in the house of bread in the land of Judea. Mm, the bread of heaven came from the house of bread, and it brought great praise. Judea is from the root word, Judah, which means to praise. How many of you know that every word of God is pregnant in the Bible? How, how many of you know that's a sermon right there? Somebody said, man, he said he was gonna read 12 verses, and he's not out of the first statement in the first verse. This is gonna be a long one today. Don't worry, I'm gonna get you to Golden Corral. I hear the food's good since they reopened. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the reign of King Herod. And it was about this time some wise men arrived from the eastern lands in Jerusalem asking, where is this newborn King of the Jews? Side note, if you wanna be a wise man, spend your life looking for Jesus. Amen? Wise men still follow Jesus. All right, I'm gonna leave that alone. They said, they had seen his star arise and that they had come to worship him. Don't just come to church to spectate in church. Don't, don't just come to church to hear what's sung. 
come to church to participate in church. I'm not telling you how you've got to praise. I'm not telling you to run the aisle. I'm not telling you to grab the flags and do a Jericho march. I'm not telling you to go jump out there in the bayou and water baptize yourself. I'm not telling you got to lift both hands. But what I am telling you is don't take two hours out of your day. Put forth the effort to come into a house of worship, into corporate worship, and to not participate in worshiping Jesus. If, if you don't worship, you're missing the building of worth, of value, attributing to God His greatness. It will it'll leave you with an emptiness inside because you'll randomly go through life trying to put booze there, trying to put drugs there, trying to put women there, or men there, or money there, or power there, and it will all leave you wanting. But it isn't until you build the greatness, the value of God, and place that in your heart that everything else in life begins to make sense and fall into its right place. All right, that's just free preaching this morning. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard. Why was he upset? Because he heard there was another king. And everyone in Jerusalem was upset as well. He called a meeting with the leading priests. Of course, they knew the Bible. The leading uh, teachers of the religious law. And he said, where is this promised Messiah, this Christ child? This one that has been foretold for decades and centuries. Where is he to be born? Well, because they were priests and teachers. They knew. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea. For here's what the prophet wrote. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, you're not the least among all the cities of Judah, for a ruler will come out of you. Actually, you're not the least, Bethlehem. You're going to be the greatest. Because a ruler's coming out of you who will shepherd the people of God who are Israel. Then Herod, after he had learned this, he called a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the very time that the star had appeared. And he told them, here's what he said, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me, and, and I too, I'll come and worship him. Now, how many of you know Herod wasn't interested in worshiping this child, this newborn king? He, he was interested in snuffing out the life of exterminating this child. After this, the wise men went on their way, and the star they had seen guided them east into Bethlehem, and it went ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy, and they entered the house, and they saw the child. This is Christmas. This is what we're looking for. And the child was there with Mary. They bowed down. They did just as they said. They worshiped him. And check this out. Immediately when they found him, they began to open their treasures. There's gifts. That's why we give gifts in this season. It's, it's, it's in reference to the gift that was given to all humanity. They opened unto him the gift of gold. They opened unto him the gift of frankincense. They, they opened unto him the gift of myrrh. All of these gifts were not without meaning. The, these gifts speak. These were the gifts of the wise. There's so much we can learn from these gifts. Anybody had a baby? I've had three. And I have a lot of wonderful friends. I have a lot of wonderful family members that love us, love our children dearly. And didn't dare one of them ever bring me any gold. They brought gold. Because this child, this gift was to say he's divine. We're, we're, we're here not to worship about him. We're here to worship him. Father, today, as we get into the second installment of looking for Christmas, 
I pray that you would anoint me. I pray that you would use me. I pray that your spirit would move on me, move through me, and that your word would flow out of me. And that God, what it is you've laid on my heart for Oaks Church today and for those watching both near and far, online and through live stream and YouTube, God, that they would get from you today what it is that you want them to know your son has come to do. I ask it all today. Church family, if you could agree with me for that, I want somebody to shout amen as loud as you can. Amen and amen. Well, today, Oaks Church family, I want to talk to you about looking for Christmas with gladness. Looking for Christmas with gladness. And I I, I want to go back to last week, if I could, for just a moment and remind us that the very first gift that these men from the East brought and opened what was a gift of gold. It was the gift that I just spoke about. It was a very odd gift. It's a gift that I don't personally think anyone I know has ever received when they've had a newborn child. And and I even explained that this gift of gold was symbolic, it was speaking, it was inferring and referring to the fact that this child was not just, just, just a part of a special family, he himself was somebody special. What that set me up to talk to Oaks Church about last week was, was about looking for Christmas with generosity in our hearts, with, with a generous spirit. I, I know many of the Hellfighters are here today. I, I saw a local need down in Balkanville with two penny missions, and I'm aware through Pastor Todd that there's some others. Uh, I, I saw the stacks, the boxes of toys in the back this morning where your generosity for this community, for the underprivileged, for the less fortunate was displayed last week. And so I thank you for your generous hearts. I, I thank you for looking for Christmas with generosity. But I also hope that you took more away in that message than just buying a few toys for a few needy people around Christmas. I I hope that that word of generosity becomes core to you, becomes, becomes DNA to you the way that it is here at Oaks Church. We want to be a giving church. We want to pour out in our community. We want to have a selfless staff. We want to be people that prefer others above ourselves because that's what we believe the New Testament is. We believe we can do that because all that God has given to us. Last week, I had an opportunity to talk to you about looking for Christmas with generosity, and we see that parallelism there in that gift of gold with these men. As soon as they find it, they, the very first attribute, the very first emotion they're moved with is to be generous. Man, how much more so now that, that they were looking for Christmas, and, and now that we know Christmas, how much more so should our hearts be moved to be a generous people, not just one day a year, but all throughout the year as the Holy Spirit moves on us to be generous. Generous with our time, our talents, our treasures. Generous to people, generous with our words, generous with our finances. We want to be and we are a generous people at Oaks Church. You know, there's an old saying, you can't outgive. And that's why I'm gonna keep preaching on it. Amen. And you can't outgive I'm going to say it one more time. And that's why I'm going to keep preaching on it, because you can outgive. See, I need you to know that there's no lack, there's no shortage of the supply in the kingdom of heaven. When you give, 
you got to realize you don't give here you give and when you give whatever you give is given there and God takes record of it and the return comes from heaven and there's no shortage in the kingdom of heaven to give you back pressed down shaken together and running over more than you ever gave in this lifetime Jesus said we live by what we give it's more blessed to be a giver than it is a taker but in the second gift, so my wife don't say, there you go, you did it again, you preach backwards. All of a sudden we see they open another gift that is, that is just as odd to me. And, and, and most of the time when you say this word, people think of an old uh, rom-com. They, they think of an old, old show that used to run years ago. They gave the gift of frankincense. Does, does anybody know what frankincense is? Where, where's our prayer team leaders today? Where's our little, where's our little prayer box? Do we, do we have that handy right there? Bobby, would you, would you hand me that? If anybody's ever wondered what's in this little wooden box, don't worry, it's not the Ark of the Covenant. It's not the mercy seat. And somebody's like, what is the Ark of the Covenant of the Mercy? Okay, different time, life group, Wednesday night, new building. We'll get into the tabernacle and the furniture of the tabernacle. But inside of, of that little prayer box, and, and I'm not being ugly, Miss Rhonda, so don't, don't think I'm being ugly. But, but inside of that prayer, that little box right there, that wooden box, there's some oil in here. And, and, and it really wouldn't matter if you use Crisco. It really wouldn't matter if you use furniture polish, but I, I, I didn't think any of you would want to smell like pledge all day. <laughs> didn't really think any of you would want to smell like uh, pig lard all day if we use Crisco. So, so we buy some nice scented kind of, of oil because the Bible says that if there be any sick among you, the church will have supernatural premonitions and know you're sick and call you and pray for you that you're sick. No, it says, if any of you are sick, let them call for the elders of the church. And the elders of the church, now that they know you're sick, see, we don't know oftentimes you're sick. We don't know oftentimes you're struggling. We don't know you need breakthrough. We don't know your family's going through a battle unless you call us. And guess what? We got a prayer button for that right on the front page of the website. You want to know how to get to Pastor Rhonda. You want to know how to get to Pastor Todd. You want to know how to get to Pastor Chad, Pastor John. If you need me when I am hiding in the woods in a deer stand and you can't find me because I'm hiding, all you got to do is put your prayer request on the front page of Oaks Church website. You say, we are in the battle. We need prayer right now. And that thing all of a sudden disseminates not only to our staff, not only to our pastors, but to our prayer team. And then guess what we do? We pray individually. We contact you individually. And then even in our staff meeting, we pray for you publicly. And then we give it to our prayer team and say, hey, can you pray for these people? And then when we see you at church, we walk up to you, thought I was off subject. I'm not. And we anoint you, not with pledge, not with Crisco, with frankincense and myrrh. Ooh, it smells good, it smells good. I have poured in revival, side note. I've got carried away in revival before when I was a young man, I used to preach all over the I poured a whole bottle of this on a guy's head one time. There was oil everywhere on the floor. The pastor told me they had to replace carpet to get it up. I made the biggest mess. The Bible says, if there be any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and anointing them with oil, anointing to smear, to touch, anointing them with oil, praying the prayer of faith. There's no power in the oil. It's the prayer of faith. The oil is the point of contact. It's the touch, uh-oh. It's the anointing, uh-oh, that says right here, 
at this time, at this place, we prayed the prayer of faith. We prayed the prayer of faith and we declared healing, not in my name, not in Oaks Church's name, not in any denomination's name. We declared it by the blood of the lamb, by the word of his testimony. And people, according to the Bible, it says, and they shall be healed. And they shall be healed. Man, that relieves me. You know, it's not my job to heal anyone. (laughs) It's my job to make you smell like frankincense. (laughs) That's why I poured a whole bottle of it on that guy that time. (laughs) Just kidding. They gave this gift. They gave this gift of frankincense. And, And if you were to be a student of the Bible and to read back to the Old Testament, and you would see that there was a special prescribed recipe to make this kind of anointing oil, to make this kind of smell good, to make this kind of, this was uh, essential oils loans before there was ever an essential oil. This, this, was, this was Bible, this was divine. And when these men from the East came and they found this baby, they walked in with a Glade plug-in and said, did anybody get a Glade plug-in when you had a baby? Maybe a scented diaper at best, right? Or something like that. So they gave this frankincense. They gave this oil. And if you don't know the Bible or you don't study the Bible, you may not know what that is in reference to. You may not know what that means. But, but here's what I got to back up and do. We've been watching Buddy in a two-week now series running around frantically, drinking syrup, scared of the Grinch, running through Christmas trees, looking for gifts, digging in sleighs, frantically looking for Christmas. And, 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 and my kids are kind of looking for Christmas the same way. My wife's got them spoiled. We got this little elf and his name is Coco. And every morning he leaves something different. And my kids are starting to wake up at six in the morning and now at five in the morning. And sometimes they wake up at two or three in the morning looking for Christmas. But I need you to know as we look for Christmas as Christians, the gifts are fine. The gift giving is fine. The generosity is fine. The sleighs are fine. The trees are fine the ugly Christmas sweaters, it's all fine, but but I need you to know that there's something else we're actually looking for as we start looking for this Advent season to come to a culmination when we truly step into the finding of the one that God had promised. See, Christmas actually is just two words. It's a compound word. Christ, referring to the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. The promised one that that out of all humanity, that that out of billions of people, that out of 6,000 years of human history that has been recorded, that there is going to be this anomaly. There's going to be this glitch in the system. There's going to be this one. He's going to be more than human. He's going to be God Almighty. And when he he comes, there's going to be an incredible mass. There's going to be an incredible celebration. You ain't seen no party till you've seen a Christmas party. And when these men from the East came, unlike anything anyone out in that stable had ever seen before, these were rich men coming from the Arabian Peninsula, coming out of a, a land of from the East, and they would have been rich, they would have been wealthy, they came right there to that little holy 
the wall to that little nothing place. And when they came in, they didn't say, hey, congratulations on your baby. They fell down and they worshiped. And they started opening those gifts and they gave the gift of gold. They said, this ain't no ordinary child. This is God Almighty in the flesh. This is the promised Messiah. This is the Savior of the world. This is the forgiveness of our sins. This is our redemption in God. And then they also presented this gift of frankincense. Most people thought I said Frankenstein. Frankincense. And with a joy that I've not yet to express today, a joy that you've probably not known yet today, they gave this gift of a costly oil, of a, of a, of a, of a costly perfume. You see, the reason they gave this gift is because they knew that this child would be smeared. Uh-oh, uh-oh, Pastor Chad, I may have to get you to come on and ease back up here with me because I have no idea where this is going today, but I feel it. They knew that this child wouldn't be calling for the church, that this child would be the very foundation stone of the church. They knew that this child, these wise men were wiser than, these gifts speak to us. They said, he won't never call nobody because he's sick. He will be the name that they call on when they're sick. Give him this oil. He won't ever need to be smeared. He is the one that when they are smeared, it'll be his presence, it'll be his blood, it'll be his power, it'll be his anointing that dries up their desire that cures their cancer, that opens their blinded eyes, that cleanses their leprosy, that breaks their addiction. They gave him this, they gave him this, this frankincense. And guess what? We need to be looking for Christmas. I'm willing to be generous. I'm being generous. I want to be generous. I want to be a giver. But I need to be looking for Christmas today with some gladness. I need somebody to get glad in the same pants that they got mad in. I need somebody that got in an argument on the way to church to look over at the person you was arguing with and say, you was wrong, but I love you and I forgive you anyway. Now let's just move on right now because I didn't come to church this morning for Buddy. I didn't come to church this morning just for some songs. I didn't come to church this morning to see somebody's sweater. I didn't come just to see Pastor John. I came to church today because Jesus has made me glad. Jesus carries an anointing that cures my infirmity. Jesus has set me free. Jesus broke my bondage. Jesus changed my life. Jesus healed my heart. He still is my healer. Still is my deliverer. He's still enough for me. Even now, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm in, Jesus... Let me, let me read you this today. Let me, I'm not trying to, somebody, woo. Sorry. I felt, like, I felt like Rod Parsley there for a minute. Forgive me. Wasn't trying to be. Lord bless Pastor Rod Parsley. Let, let me show you where I get this from. See, I can act like this, preach like crazy, man, because I don't have to preach but one time no more. In the old days, I had to preach three times. You preach the first one like this, whisper, so you'd have a voice after all three. Luke is where I want to take you today. I want to take you to Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 22. 
I, w- I want you to see, I want you to get the context. Th- this is more than feel-goodism. This, this is more than hype. This is more than emotion. I, I need you to know this in your knower. Pastor Chad, I'm, I, I hope you wear He didn't wear his tennis shoes today. Somebody get him a stool. I'm going to need him to hang by. I don't know if they can pull it up. Doesn't matter. Oh, okay, all right. I guess I put in my notes. Y'all bad to the bone. Let's hear it for the media team back there. It says... When Jesus came into the village of Nazareth, does anybody, anybody know where Jesus grew up? Does anybody know where Jesus grew up? Does anybody know where Jesus grew up? Nazareth. This, this is his, his boyhood home. You see it right there on the screens, his boyhood home. He went, as usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read the scriptures. Now, now church in that day for the Jewish person uh, uh, wasn't at the church house, it was at the synagogue. It wasn't church necessarily the way you're having church today with keyboards and excitement and clapping. It, it, it really, in Judaism, is, is very ritualistic. It's very liturgical. But, but in the Jewish synagogue, by the way, where no woman would have been allowed to go. Hallelujah, somebody, thank God. That's something to give Jesus some praise about right now. That's something to make somebody glad. Thank God on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out that he said, this ain't just for you old boys. This ain't a good old boys club. This is the bringing in of all of it. Get the women in here too. We gonna need them to take this gospel forward. We gonna need them to be a part of this church. Thank God he included. But in this synagogue, they would have gone in and people would have sat down. There would have been a synagogue in every little town. And when they would go into the synagogue, it was, it was much in some ways, like, like a Catholic service where you would have an Old Testament reading, you would have a New Testament reading, you would have a homily, some, some things like that. And, and that's still primarily how Orthodox Judaism operates. But from time to time, they would call on people from the audience. Does anybody have a, a scripture today? Would anybody like to share something? And, and, and Jesus gets up in his boyhood hometown and he goes to church where obviously every good little Jewish boy would have learned the Torah, would have gone to church his whole life, there would have been, quote unquote, his rabbi there, his pastor, there would have been the elders there, there would have been the the staff, there would have been all the people upstanding. He walks in there, the place where he should have been loved the most, the place where he should have been received the most, the place where everybody would have known him. And he didn't turn on his iPad, as Pastor Chad likes to point out. He didn't even open his Bible that had those fancy dancy little, little book page uh, stickers on the end of them. How many of y'all still got a Bible with some of them little Leviticus numbers, Deuteronomy, Esther, and you still look at it? He didn't didn't even have a Bible with the books labeled with a book introduction. He opened up a scroll, y'all, that would have been about the size of that snare drum, which would have cost a man an entire year's wages. He reaches over, he picks up the scroll of Isaiah, which would have taken his whole town uh, 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 joined effort in buying to add it into their synagogue. He don't he don't just thumb down to the verse. He opens this scroll. I don't know if it rolls across the floor. I don't know if he said, hey, brother, can you hold that half of this thing for me? And he goes all the way to what you and I know as Isaiah 61. And the Bible says, after he had unrolled it, and at, look at this, after he found the place, it's okay if you're having trouble finding things in God's Word. Thank God you're unrolling it and looking at it. Took Jesus a few minutes to find what he was looking for too. When he found the place, he said this, as it is written by the prophet Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord 
has anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord has smeared me. The Spirit of the Lord has been poured out on me for this intention, for this purpose, to bring good news to the poor. He has anointed me to proclaim liberty to the captives. He sent me under an anointing so that prisoners could be released, so that blind people could see, so that the oppressed could be set free, and to tell them this is the year of the ultimate jubilee. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the time of the Lord's favor. And all of a sudden he rolled, hey, hey, help me roll it up. He rolled it back up. He handed it back to the attendant. And he went and sat down. And all of the eyes in the synagogue looked intently at him. Then he began to speak to them. And he said, seated in that seat that I'm going to tell you probably where that was, just a moment. He was seated in that seat and he said, the scripture you've just heard that Isaiah prophesied 700 years ago has been fulfilled this very day. In every synagogue, there was a seat known as the Messiah's chair. In every Jewish synagogue, there was a seat kept. Remember the old days in church? Remember the old days in church where all the ministers used to sit? Remember that? (laughs) Side note, Brooke has a picture, or Chad does. I don't. I have a picture sitting on the platform in a white suit. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to just let that go. This wasn't the minister's seats, guys. This wasn't the minister. This was one special seat that wasn't for the traveling rabbi. It wasn't for the evangelist. It wasn't for somebody with a hurt foot. There was one seat that nobody was allowed to sit in. It was called the Messiah's chair. Now, let me tell you something about Passover. There were all kind of cups on those tables. When we take that one cup and that one loaf of bread, we have just simplified Passover down to Holy Communion. And that's not wrong. It's biblical. It's New Testament. But I want you to know in a true Jewish Passover that there are seven different cups. One is Elijah's cup. One is the Messiah's cup. I'm just telling you, I know what I'm talking about here with Judaism. There was a chair inside of every Jewish synagogue that was reserved for the Messiah. When Jesus read that scripture from Isaiah, he walked over, he rolled it up, and he sat in that Messiah's chair, and he says, this today has been fulfilled in your hearing, in your eyesight. And the people that should have got up The people that should have got up and said, Woo! Did did Rustin win? Did the Wildcats win? Huh? Oh, oh, ow, oh, sure. What happened to Rustin? Oh, he said Rustin got robbed. Do you see how, you see how, see how that was not a positive note? That was a what? It was, a, it was a sour note. Give me a sour one. When he sat down, I'm getting to where I'm getting. Watch this. He sat down and he said, this has been fulfilled today. The reason those wise men that were looking for me at my birth brought me that frankincense is because 
I am the Lord's anointing that will fulfill this messianic prophecy that will carry out this miraculous miracle working ministry. I am the chain breaker. I am the mountain mover. I am the way. When he sat down, they didn't say, woo! They didn't say, praise God. It happened here. Isaiah was right. We are the greatest in all of Judea from Bethlehem, from Nazareth. They didn't say that. They said, mm. <laughs> who in the world does he think he is? What, what is he talking about? He, he obviously hasn't learned enough. <laughs> Somebody send him back to school. Matter of fact, if you read the rest of the account, how many of you love context? Context is king in the Bible. How many of you really want to know the Bible? Matter of fact, Jesus said, oh, well, this ain't going too good. <laughs> I'm probably not going to make it out of here with my clothes on, so let me go on leave for they kill me now. And when he went to slide out of his childhood synagogue, the Bible says that the mob, I've been there, been to Nazareth, the place of new roots, Nutsaru. There's a brow of a city right on the edge of a cliff. And when Jesus was walking out, they tried to push him right over the cliff to kill him, to assassinate him because they were not ready for that anointing. In the Bible, I don't know what happened. Jesus went like, I don't know. The Bible says he just walked right through them like matrix or something. I don't, and he left and he never went back to Nazareth. They're going to put this, this first thought on the screen for me today and I'm going I'm to begin to land this plane. I promise you, I only have three of them. See what we're celebrating with gladness at this Christmas season is that this child that we're commemorating and celebrating carried an anointing that brought good news to the poor. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So I, I took the liberty of, of looking up that word in the original Hebrew language to just help and to clarify to somebody today what that literally meant then and what it should mean to us now. And, and how many of you know that word is like a word picture and it unlocked a lot of other words. So, so if, if you need some of this today, now would be a real good time to maybe get your handkerchief out or, or maybe stand up or maybe get ready or maybe give God a shout or maybe clap your hands or lift your hands because the Bible says that the anointing was on this child. The reason I can celebrate at Christmas with gladness is because he came for the poor. He came for the destitute. He came for the afflicted. He came for the needy. He came for the humble. He came for the lowly. He came for the meek. He came for the weak. He came for the down and outers. Here's what the anointing on him his life is promised in scripture to do. He will take the poor and he will make you rich. He will take the needy and he will give you sufficiency. He will take the afflicted and he says you shall be whole. He will take the humble and he says you will be exalted. He will take the lowly and he will lift you up and set you on high. He will take the meek and he will make you bold. He will take the weak and he will make you strong. The anointing of Jesus was to come and turn this world's kingdom upside down. The weak can rejoice now at Christmas. I found the one that makes me 
over my affliction, strong over my disease, strong over my pain, strong over my addiction, strong over my depression, strong over my hopelessness. I'm glad. I'm glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm going to get something today that TJ Maxx can't give me, that Target can't give me. Woo! I'm glad. I'm glad, number two, because this anointing not only tells me it's going to have an impact on me, it's, it's not only going to change my mind, it's, it's not only going to infuse my emotions, but this anointing will be more than superficial. This anointing will be more than spiritual. This anointing that may start in the spirit world to change my heart, to change my mind, to change the way I think, to change my emotions, to change my doom and gloom, my doubt and doubt. This anointing is going to be so strong, it's going to set me free from my captivity. The Bible says that he has anointed me to proclaim that everybody that's in bondage, that everybody that's in a chain, that everybody that's being held back, everybody that's strapped to, everybody that's down and out, you can and will be released. The blind are gonna see, the oppressed are gonna be let go and set free. I don't know if you came with a chain today, with a yoke today, with a barrier today, with a wall today, with a bondage today, or with a prison today, but if you did, this is your part right here. The Bible says, and in that day, the Lord will end the bondage of his people, that he will carry an anointing that will break the yoke of slavery. He'll break it right off your shoulder. Your chains can be broken. Your yokes can be destroyed. Your bondage can be released. Your walls and barriers can come down. And those prison bars that held you will be parted and made open and you can walk out free right now in the presence of Almighty God. You don't need me. You don't need Chad. You don't need an usher. You don't need an elder. All you need is that anointing. Number three, this anointing that these guys was real glad about. See, I think they was more glad. I know that ain't right to say, but they was more glad than you is. <laughs> they is more glad than I is. They're more glad than sometimes we are. I was just joshing. I know that wasn't the right way to say that. Don't send me any ugly emails. I'm just, just trying to make sure you don't know it, but you, you know it. See, 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 they were glad because they understood this guy this God child, this God man, what they were celebrating, what they had traveled a long ways, what they had given, very costly, expensive gift. They understood that the anointing on this guy's life, on this God man's life, this anointing was a sign. Oh, somebody's gonna get this one right now. That this was the acceptable year of the Lord. That for 4,000 years, human history had been looking for this Christ child. They had been looking for this Messiah. They had been looking for this 
seeming to never be found needle in a haystack. They were looking for this one that may have just been a myth or mysterious and that he was never coming. But then all of the sudden, all of the hopes of humanity had now come to this ultimate culmination. They said, we have found him. We have great joy because this says to us, God's not mad anymore. This is the time of the Lord's favor. All of the pain that I felt, God is saying he's releasing me. All of the debt that I've had, God's getting ready to cancel. All of the judgment that God said is coming on my rebellion and on my seeing, God is saying, I am freeing you and releasing you from it because I have sent a sin-bearing sacrifice. Listen to me, my friend. This was a sign of God's favor. This was a sign of God's blessing. This was a sign of God's goodness and grace and kindness. Jesus is saying this to us now. This is like a spiritual jubilee at Christmas. Everything that's been held against you, that was stacked against you and made you guilty and wrong. It is the seventh time, the seventh year. We are stepping over from 49 to 59. This is the spiritual jubilee. Release it. Let it go back. Cancel their debt. Cancel their pain. Everybody is free now. Everybody's free. This is the sign of the Lord's favor. I'm not mad anymore. I'm not holding you in judgment. I'm not condemning you. I love you and I've come to save you. God has favored us. God desired us. He has blessed us. He's shown us great kindness. His goodness is to us. His grace has offered us what we did not deserve, but His mercy has kept from us what we did. This is what Jesus was anointed for, my friends. Listen to me. To usher all humanity into a new age, into a new dispensation called the grace age. I want you to think of the rankest, rottenest, downright ugliest, wrongest person you know. I want you to think about the most perverse ideologies, I want you to think about the most self-centered, egotistical, prideful human being. I, I, I want you to think of the worst thing you know. And I want you to understand today before you leave here, when this child was born, it was God saying, my favor for that person has now come. Their punishment will be punished. Their sin will be executed. Their wrath will be delivered upon this child. How can we at Christmas not remember the oil of gladness the oil that says he not only changed me he healed me 
changed me he healed me then he sent me to see them changed them healed this is the anointing he carries can I tell you something about Oaks Church people <laughs> they a bunch of glad folks I'm just <laughs> you think I'm prophesying somebody else said no you prophesy lying I met them people. They looked like they was weaned on dill pickles. <laughs> Listen to me. If they hear, they won't stay long. I don't want them to go nowhere. I love you. I want you to stay. But you can't stay here and stay mad. <laughs> Jesus is the all of gladness. Huh? We love people. Well, what if they smoke? We still love them. Well, what if they living together? We still love them. Well, what if they lie? We still love them. What if they got a DWI? We still love them. Well, what if they was in jail? You know the pastor was in jail too. We still love them. We love people. People are our business. This is what we do. People. Now we're not Jesus, can never be Jesus. We want to connect you to Jesus. And we want Jesus to fill you with the Holy Ghost. So you don't have to get on the phone, you can go to the throne. He can walk with you and talk with you and convict you and encourage you and guide you. I don't want you dependent on me, I want you dependent on Him. But we love people. I got here this morning, it was folks here at 6.45, and I'm not condemning you or judging you if you don't. Everybody gives some way. It's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. I have friends here that have given financially from day one, but their lives say they can't do that. I got people here, we got people here that can't give financially, but they serve every week. We got people here, they give in all. We take all of it, it don't matter. There ain't no judgment, no, listen to me. But there's some people that were here at 6.45 this morning, they was dressed in ugly sweaters. They were moving chairs. And they were smiling. I said, these are glad bunch of people, man. These are, this is, you ever been to a church where folks are mad? Did you want to go back? Thank you. Right? A glad bunch of people here. And I'm glad you're glad, because if you ain't glad, I'm going to make you uncomfortable. Because <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. But how much more so? How much more? It makes me glad so many of you are here today. It makes me glad we had great worship. It, it makes me glad we're reaching the community. It makes me glad, Pastor Todd, y'all got toys stacked up back there this high to give to underprivileged. It makes me glad Noble Randolph told me he was giving me a school bus for Oaks Church to be in the Bauchamville Parade next year. It makes me glad Miss Rhonda accepted the challenge of making it look good. It makes me glad that somebody, Miss Rhonda, had the idea that our whole, our float is going to be the Grinch. And we're gonna have Santa and we're gonna have Buddy. It makes me glad Tyler is gonna be dressed up like Buddy all day. It makes me glad we're going to take all those toys and throw them out all over Bauchenville. And we ain't giving no cheap, dumb toys. We're giving good toys to them kids. 
but it makes me more glad. It makes me gladder if you know what this child came to do for you. What this child came to do for your children. What this God-man carried as the anointing on his life that every time the enemy seems to back you in a corner into a prison of bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness or addiction or hurt or pain or discord or disuse, when you all of a sudden have that break, that spiritual moment of clarity and you remember that there is an anointing on Jesus that is a chain-breaking anointing, that the yoke you've been carrying, that the enemy placed on your shoulders, that the binding he put on your shaft, that he strapped you down by your all of a sudden when that moment comes in your life that says what am I doing in this prison this jail cell what am I doing in this hurt in this pain Jesus anoint me with your anointing change my heart free me from this pain heal my body set me free let me remember this is your favor for me you're not mad at me you love me you came to save me and as long as I'm breathing as long as I'm alive you still got a plan for my life. No matter which hurt, what habit, what hang up, what pain. Come on, somebody give Jesus a shout of praise today.